Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, welcome back, guys. Earn Your Leisure, Atlanta edition. Um, this is a very special, very special episode for us. We enjoying our time in Atlanta, and we got a, we got a legend, Atlanta legend, and a DC, DC. legend, Two for sure, for sure. So before we start, we gotta, we gotta give a shout out to our partners at uh, United Masters. Um, yeah, they're rocking right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. for shout sure, for sure, for sure. Shout out to Dave, John, and Ernest, yeah. and the commissioner, Steve Stout. Of course. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve, I remember Steve Stout. On the back of a American Airlines flight on the way to the Soul Train Awards, the, the one that Biggie died, the party, the Vibe Party. 97. And I'll never forget, he was on the back of the plane and he had like three seats. This was not first class. And he had like <laughs> notes everywhere. And he was just plotting. I'm like, what you about to do? He's like, I'm taking over the fucking world. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out to Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to them. So yeah, they, they're big fans of the, of the um, podcast and um, we, we met with them. And um, they wanted to, to, you know, form form some kind of alliance with us. So we we decided okay. to do that. And um, so this is be the first episode um, trial run. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we gonna we gonna release um, a bonus content. Um, well, not even bonus content. It's, it's their own content on um, their channel. Um, that'll be some clips uh, dedicated to the music industry. Yeah. So check out their YouTube, and then the full the full length version of the podcast will be on Earn Your Leisure. Um, so yeah, shout out to yeah. the good folks. And their Instagram too. They're gonna have the, the, the content on their Instagram. And yeah, we're gonna sure. We're gonna do cross promotion. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sure to repost. Yeah, 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 yeah. appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Appreciate Collaboration's that. better than competition for sure. But and then the last thing before we get started is that we got our workshop series that we're, we're launching. Um, and that's gonna be once a month uh, in New York City. So we bring on guests from like all different areas, real estate and law and all that stuff. And people get educated on the podcast, but it's, they, they want even more education. So this is gonna be an opportunity for people to actually meet these people in person and ask them questions and kind of like like a, a mini seminar in a sense. Oh, so yeah. it's gonna be in person in New York City, um, but it's also gonna be live streamed. So anybody in the world, all over the world, you can check it out. So that's on the events tab also. Oh, yeah, so, sure. all right, so now Congrats. we- Congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank that. you, thank appreciate you. That. So yeah, so, we have Kenny Burns, so first and foremost, thank you for, for rocking with us. Thank My you for pleasure. coming, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, so Curator of Culture, is that a good title for you? Hey, you know, I I'll like take it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it, man. I, I, when, when, I, when I think of your career, and it, it's an extensive one, I'm like, lifestyle coach, not, not lifestyle coach, lifestyle specialist, right? but even more so a curator of culture. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like to, you know, I, the, the word curate is a very sensitive word. You know what I'm saying, I actually had, a conversation with one of my mentees the other day. He was like, yo, I curated this event. I'm like, what event? <laughs> he was like, uh, Kanye West's Sunday service at, at, at New Birth. And I'm like, wait, 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 you can't say <laughs> you curated that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta say like you helped get some people there or you brought a couple sweatshirts. I did, I did the lights. <laughs> yeah, like, so I, I but, but curate is accurate when it comes to me. I've been a part of a lot of uh, pivotal points in, in, in hip hop history. And um, yeah, I kind of like just carved my own way out. So I, yeah, I'll take that curator title all day. All right, all right, cool. So yeah, so we're gonna jump right into it. We're gonna start with the music business because you're a renaissance man, you do a little bit of everything. Yes. Um, but um, we're gonna talk about the music business first. Okay. So, all right, how did you get started in the music business? Because you, you're from DC originally. Yeah. Then you, you come to Atlanta. 
Yeah. Freak uh, Nick 92. <laughs> my cousin was like, yo, you got to come to Freak I'm like, what the fuck is a Freak Nick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for He's those like, not know. Yeah, Freak Nick is like, was the biggest black college, historically black college, like uh, spring break. Mm-hmm. You know, it happened in Atlanta. And um, I, I got locked up my senior year in high school. I was a basketball star. And then, um, look, hit the table. Um, <laughs> pinky rings, take the pinky rings off. No, but um, I basically, you know, I, I, I was in trouble. So I couldn't really leave. He left to go to Morehouse. And that spring, he was like, yo, you got to come down here and check this out. Like, I promise you, you've never seen nothing like this. So I was like, if my PO lets me come, cool. Cat got, you know, my paper straight, came down. And I was just, you know, back then there was no social media. So it wasn't like you could see, you know, what was happening on the way or <laughs> that it existed prior in certain posts. It, it, it you know, you couldn't see. You yeah. had to literally go participate to um, experience it. And when I, I experienced them as black people like me from all over the world, and you're like, wait, I love this. And at this time, you know, you got fucking a different world on TV. You yeah. got the Cosby show. Yeah. Like the whole conscious black excellence was like permeating out of this world, public enemy on all your clothes, like you were conscious. And wow, so yeah, I was like, all right, I need to figure out my situation and move back. And then that fall, um, we worked some things out and um, I was blessed to come back. I attended Morris Brown College. I only went for a semester because in six months I became the number one party promoter out this month. <laughs> um, my cousin had set me up like I was Scarface. So when I came, everybody, yo, my cousin getting out of jail, he's coming. So um, when well, I got here, yeah, that's how, no, honestly. And then so Shakir Stewart got arrested there, was the fir- uh, one of the first pe- uh, people I met mm-hmm. here. Uh, he signed Jeezy and Rick Ross and was big at Def Jam. Um, actually, we might have was about to be president before Jay or something like that. But anyway, so he was one of the first you know, people I met and we just tore the AUC up. We brought everybody who's anybody in the iconic atmosphere of hip hop now, Jay-Z. Uh, I promoted the Reasonable Doubt album, you know, yeah. but basically um, brought them here first when he had 22 twos. This was like pre-Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. Um, brought the Big Mac. Um, promo tour that Puff did, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People don't know like children, children. So Puff was a marketing guy, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that, his whole thing was created before he was a producer. All he was like a really intuitive guy, and uh, he came up with this McDonald's idea with this um, mixtape or tape rather in a McDonald's box, and it was called Big Mac for Biggie and Craig Mac. Craig Mac, ironically, rest in peace, was the superstar. Yeah, he, he was a big back then. Yeah, yeah. Flavor yeah. It was on fire, and everybody's like, Who's, this? Who's this dude? Party and bullshit. It's okay. I, yeah, it's not. Flavor and it was different. So we were the first to do it. We had the Chronic tour when I was 20 years old. We paid for the Chronic tour to come to the Omni, which is now State Farm Arena here in Atlanta. He got locked up, so he never could do the show. So we got canceled. But we were on that level of like hustle. Like we got here. Oh, y'all niggas ain't doing shit. Oh, the Atlanta motherfuckers don't fuck with the school motherfuckers. Oh, we gonna bridge that because we had all the you know we used to sell drugs so all the dope boys knew, you know, you knew, you know what I'm saying? So we connected and we was the first like school dudes to really be accepted and embraced by the city. Like Shanti Doss called me the first time she won the stage at my Friday night was called Funk Clinic to bring outcasts. Like, so it was just like a, you're in the middle of like this amazing era of hip hop coming, you're not even hip. You know what I'm saying? You're just doing what you do. But it was fun, man. Was there a name for the promotion that you were doing? Yeah, 2620 Music was our promotion company. Um, and it was a phenomenon. The first appearance Jay-Z ever had on MTV, he wore a 2620 shirt. Um, when Puff and them would come to the city, 2620 gonna be in the building, Kenny Burns. Like we were like the <laughs> shit, like they used to break in dorms at Clark and Spelman and Morehouse. Um, 
still in our jerseys. Like we used to make hockey jerseys, basketball. I mean, we were, it was a thing. Yeah, so, was killing it. And we would go to every black college and do it. So it wasn't like, you know, we create tours. We get tour buses and go and pull up, be standing on top of the tour buses, throwing out whatever promo we were doing. Like we were the real first street team. Big shout out to Steve Rifkin. He incorporated it, but we were the first real street team. So how does that um, lead to, to the music industry? Um, I was in a parking lot of 112 um, in the world famous 112. Yeah, I'm about to say, legendary. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, so I was in a parking lot, and uh, it was either David Gates or Claude Austin, Dallas Austin's brother, rest in peace. He came up to me. He's like, yo, we got this artist named Monica. And I'm like, word? He's like, yeah, I see y'all everywhere, man. Y'all need to help promote this joint. And I was like, all right, bet. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing who she is. I mean, yeah. you know, she, I guess they the were saying she, that she, she had have. a song yeah. called Don't Take It Personal. They had, they had tried to put it out one time. It didn't work. So while I had received the street team business, I was in back in the 112 parking lot, and I met the guy who did the Black Expo. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, the Black Expo, like, was the thing to break your artist. Mm -hmm. So I got her on the Black Expo. She came she, back She was, gold. what, 14 at that time? She was 14 years old. Wow. It's so funny. You say, I just saw, like, a picture of me and her. I'll send it to you. Guys need to put it up on the thing. Yeah, See, yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 14 years old. Crazy though, like crazy story. And then after that, I was in the music business, and um, Claude Austin was, um, you know, just like a mentor. And Dave Gates were like a, they were like mentors. Like, come on in. Like we, you know, we we have a label deal with Rowdy Records through Arista. So I was doing my thing, but Monica was like it for them because they had spent so much money on uh, y'all, so stupid, and a couple of other acts they had mm -hmm. uh, illegal. With Jamal oh, and Malik, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> so they they weren't winning, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Monica's, you know, I think she ended up selling like two million records, mm. and so they were dismantling the thing. And I thought I had struck gold. I'm like, I need five hundred thousand dollars a year, nigga. What's up? Like, yeah. we just went gold. He's like, that doesn't happen like that. I'm like, all right, well, fuck it then. And I had said fuck Dallas in a meeting, and it got back to him, and he fired me. I'm like, I only make nineteen thousand dollars a year. You can fucking hold this shit. <laughs> I make way more money doing parties, but that's how I got in the music business and. Because of the parties, Clark Kent became my mentor, DJ Clark Kent. Yeah, the legendary. Sure. Big shout, shout out to uh, Tony yeah. Rome. I call him Tony Rome. He's going to blow me up for saying that. <laughs> so Tony used to like basically take me on the road with him. And so with that, he was uh, going to Motown Records, Andre Harrell, who's like my father, you know what I'm saying? Like my big brother, father figure. Yeah. Um, he was going to Motown and he had like this talent search. and. It so happened that the probation shit got weird and the police came here to Atlanta looking for me, so I had to go back and get my shit straight in, in DC. DC. So I was there, he's like, yo, Dre's coming through. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do a party for him? You know, he loves that shit. He'll fucking give you a job, I'm telling you. I was like, word? He was like, yeah. So I was like, what this nigga like? Like, I mean, I clearly grew up on New Jack Swing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an Uptown fan. This is after he fan. left Uptown, right? This is after he left uh, Uptown and was uh, going to take the reins over at Motown. So he's like, yo, he's, he's fucking cool shit, da, da, da. So I was like, I know the music. I'm talking about what does he like? He like light-skinned women at Don Perignon. <laughs> I was That's like, easy. all right, bet. So he pull up, light-skinned girl, fucking Don Perignon, and he was like, yo, nigga, what the fuck did you do, nigga? Oh, shit. That's how he talked. Yeah, that's oh, how he talked. That was good. Oh, shit, nigga, this shit is crazy. And so um, at the time, Jawan Howard, Chris Webber, and Rasheed Wallace were all playing for the Bullets. Yeah. So they were, everybody was there, it was a whole thing. Now known like, as the Wizards. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, let's show my age. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then um, he was like, yo, can you come to New York on Monday? I was like, yeah. He said, be there by 10 o'clock. I was there at eight. That motherfucker didn't get into like 12. <laughs> so I'm sitting there when he comes, he's like, oh, shit, this nigga came, oh, shit, Kenny Burns. He said, get that nigga $60,000 and put him in street team marketing. I was like, word? I was like, 
that's that's what y'all doing? Y'all like just giving? Give okay, all right. So I went from 60 to 120 to 180 in like 18 months. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I was his guy. But he was, you know. This is the 90s. This is the 90s. That's a lot, man. That's, yeah. That's young a lot too. now, but even then. Yeah, young too. And he, he's so dope. Like, I just want to give Andre Harrell his flowers. You know what I'm saying? To be honest with you, the Revolt Music Conference was his idea, mm-hmm. which is now the Revolt Summit. So if you guys have not participated in them, please do. It's very informative. They just had one in Atlanta. Um, I think by the time this episode comes, LA's will have happened. But Andre Harrell is the godfather of lifestyle. He was the first person to put the 360 offering together. Because you know a lot of people, man, they have stylists and they do this, that, and the third, and they got to pay motherfuckers to do certain things. He was just a fly motherfucker. Like, mm. First dude who had a driver with the Rolls Royce. First dude I met with a whole, and you got to imagine, Upper West Side of New York, back in the 90s was like, that wasn't where you know, black folk yeah, were really, but he had a whole side of an apartment building, top floor, Basquiat's, and put me, my first, my, when I got married, I've been married 20 years, October 16th, two kids. Congratulations. Thank you. And he gave my wife and I our first expensive paint. It was like 12,000 back then. It's called burning bed. The shit is, but anyway, he's just a real superhuman being. And you know, this business is full of suckers and and it's full of suckers that do sucker shit. Mm. And they will take advantage of the weak motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's why I got pride myself. Like when you said curator earlier, or even pioneer as far as I'm concerned, because there were no, lifestyle specialists and you can go to a million motherfuckers handles now and they have lifestyle specialists under their moniker or they host clubs i mean i'm sure you're old enough uh, how old are you um uh, okay <laughs> i'm sure y'all niggas old enough to remember when there were no hype niggas on the mic other than the dj i'm talking about these niggas getting paid all across the globe for doing that but i, I salute andre man i want to give him his props because he taught me how to be 360 with my offering and that's why i think you know, I'm winning so like that. So 360 with your offering, because we've heard of 360s obviously with the record deal, right? Yeah. So I, I'm assuming I know what you mean as far as you, you do a little bit of everything and you know, you kind of complete the cipher, but what is, so what exactly does that mean? It's, that's the first time I've, I've heard that in yeah. that other than 360 record deal. Well, this is a show me world now, you know what I'm saying? In, in marketing and since the mid 2000s when the gray advertisings and Uniworld that owned all of the business, the boutique started you know, Spike, and you had Team Epiphany with Cole, you like all these people, you know, coming with these smaller agencies, and what people wanted was to connect. They wanted the one person that was the plug, like mm-hmm. all this other back office shit and all this other extra money they was paying, they wanted to figure that out, so when I created, that's why I created the name The Lifestyle Specialist, by the way, and then I decided that, fuck this business in the way that I know it exists. I'm gonna be the father, husband first, then I'm gonna be the entrepreneur, and then I'm gonna be all the other, the fashion guy and all that, but that to me is 360. When you see things that are one-sided, you only really get that from a person. You don't get the full picture. And I think, I wanted to lead by example. Like, I come from a business that's unforgiving for relationships. I come from a business that taking doesn't give, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to change the narrative. I started immediately. I mean, I've always been a mentor, even to my friends, you know what I'm saying? I was the first to jump off the porch. I was the first to, you know what I'm saying, get the brick and not the ounce. Like, I was the first, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, I think for me, I always led by example. I just want to give people, like, a 360 rendering, right? Because you can be married and be happy. You can, you know what I'm saying, like, be fly as a motherfucker and not be broke. You can, you know, you can do things um, 
that are, you know, 100% real in a 360 way. You know what I'm saying? And I think, like you said, I love the way you asked that question because the music business 360 is even more pimpery. Yeah. Even more, you know what I'm saying, adultery. If you're adultery. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They take it. I mean, what they just take it from yeah. you, you know what I'm saying, was rightfully yours. But in this p- particular scenario, I like to bring everything full circle. So I, people look at your pictures and they be like, oh, this light-skinned nigga. <laughs> oh, this nigga, all he does is, oh, this nigga's got the bald head and beard. He's thinking, oh, this nigga. But when they, you can't hate on love. That's you a can't, fact. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, my, if my offering is love, if you hate, you're a hater and you gotta you know, look at yourself in the mirror and deal with that. So you, you said one of, the, one of the things Andre Harrell taught you was to take your, your creative vision and make it tangible. 100%. This nigga will break it down to the socks. Like, you got to understand something. Single parent, home, my mother raised me with all my aunts. And here I go to the street. Like, I knew what love was, but I know what encouragement was, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Different. God bless our grandparents and our parents, but they, they, you know, they come from a very trying period. You know what I'm saying? And it was really tough for them to, like, get through life, like, let alone succeed, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, when you meet, you go to the street and you figure out, okay, I'm not, I'm no killer. I'm not trying to put my hands on nobody unless yeah. forced. Like I, so the streets wasn't for me. You have to be a certain caliber of person. Now, luckily I had a lot of game and I could figure things out and then I was scrapped too. But at the same time, meeting Dre, it's like, nigga, all that shit is cool. But put that energy in this. You got the, you got the women, you dress good. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you walk around, you smell good. Like you can't be, <laughs> and you don't think about that. Like if you, you know what I'm saying? Turn, like, hey, turn your you cool don't, down. You don't, if you don't have a father figure in your house pointing you in the right direction. Like I, I didn't know my superpowers until I met Andre. That's, uh, that's yeah. powerful. No, that's, that's powerful. So you started Lifestyle Specialist? Yeah, I created that. And if anybody says different, I'm a fuck you. <laughs> nah, but it's, it's facts. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you prove that. I don't own the, the mark, but. So, all right. You can ask most people. It's for, yeah, because like you said, I mean, that, that term kind of gets turned thrown around a lot yeah. um, these days. So a lifestyle specialist, I'm actually curious to know your definition. Like, what does that mean? This guy's smart over here. He needs answers. Um, <laughs> lifestyle specialist, I was, like I said, this, um, the marketing boutique agency boomed around 2005. And I would do a lot of consulting and I would go on these meetings like, you know, we would go to Heineken and pitch the Heineken Red Star Soul Tour. Mm-hmm. And, um, which I created with um, Alloy Marketing. It was really my idea because it was a CD that had Erica Badu, Glenn Lewis, like Chico DeBarge, all these people back in the day. I was like, yo, why don't y'all take this and do a tour and you can introduce artists and all that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So by the time, um, you know, I got to like my third pitch with them, I think we were at like Axe Body Spray or something. I was like, yo, like, I'm tired of y'all referring to me as like this lifestyle guy. I have a skill set, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. And obviously I'm helping you with these ideas, but you're not telling the client that. So I was like, you know what, if you're gonna refer to me, refer to me as a lifestyle specialist. Um, I'm not really with the other you know, things y'all are calling me, and that's yeah. how I came up with it. I think if you're gonna be a lifestyle specialist, you have to be tenured in, in multiple things that deal in pop culture. I was the second black designer ever in Saks Fifth Avenue with Ryan Kenny when we did the whole, when Jay-Z did change clothes, he wore our shirts. Uh, I signed, you know, numbers, a number of artists and worked on a number of projects from Dream to Akon to Wale. Like, so I've done a lot in different territories or, um, you know, different things in culture um, you, you, to get that. You signed, that. Uh, you signed Wale through your own record label? I signed studio, Wale that studio, studio 43, yeah. Okay. Funny story about Wale and big shout out to Wale. Another DC got a new project coming out October 11th. But um, when I found Wale, my sister who owns Baller Alert, 
um, was like, yo, you got to hear this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a phenomenal rapper. And I'm like, all right, cool, because I want to sign UCB Sexy Late. I want to sing, I want to sign him to Rockefeller, but Damon and wasn't hearing me. But um, so when I got to Wale, I heard him rap, and he was like a rapper's rapper, you know what I'm saying? Like backpack rapper. He yeah. had like 47 bars, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I like, stopped rapping. Yeah, so, and I'm like, all right, cool, you know what I'm saying? But it was a dude by the name of Southeast Slim who did this go-go fusion shit, and that was what I wanted the whole time. Like, I was asking, like, where's the go-go influence shit? That's, that's to yeah. your region, yeah, right? That's, 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 yeah, that's DC. That's so, DC. So, sure. Southeast Slim, big shout out to Southeast, I don't even know where he is this, today. But he had this record called Dig Dug. Dig the off the muscle. It was a Northeast Groove joint. And when I tell you, he had like 100 bars a verse. But I was like, no, chop this up, dude. And when I tell you, he was getting $2,500 a week, three weeks later, until he like literally busted a move. But the story is, we released um, uh, Haters the New Love uh, mixtape and Paint a Picture mixtapes. And they were so on fire. Like he was getting booked and we were getting sought after. And so, I knew the game and I wanted to be independent. I didn't really want to go inside. And I went to LA and I'll never forget, this dude was on me on MySpace, this white boy. I'm not even gonna say his name, but I smacked the shit out of him. (laughs) You know Um, you are. But um, it was so crazy because I was like the social media shit about to blow. I didn't know what and how, but I just felt like MySpace was such a community and it was only gonna be, Facebook was obviously coming around and I'm like, okay, boom, we got to meet this dude. He's hitting me, and what he's saying makes a lot of sense in that space. So I, I go to Mr. Child, and my test for the boy, the, the, the boy was basically like, if he tries to pay for dinner, I'm going to hire him to be Wale's social media guy. So dinner comes, and me and Wale looking at each other because he knows the test, and he doesn't want to pay for dinner at first, right? <laughs> so I pull out, I'm about to pay, so he ended up paying. I was like, okay, cool, we're going to fuck with this. <laughs> sure enough, two weeks later, maybe three weeks later, I can't find Wale. I could not find Wale. And his mama calling me, everybody like, what, yo? I'm like, I don't know, he ain't called me. Now mind you, Rob Stone at the Fader, obviously one of my good friends, I had told him about Wale, and I was trying to get Wale a cover or an article, something. So, you know, I'm reaching out to all my contacts. Just so happened that Rob Stone called me like, yo, like your man just did the photo shoot, he killed it. I'm like, what? Wale. Wale had did the photo shoot. So come to find out, the boy had went around, you know what I'm saying? And Wale was rolling with him. So the boy took him to Mark Ronson. Mark signed him, but I had paperwork on him. Oh. Right? So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I let it bang until the album was about, the tension deficit was about to come. I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I need a million. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a million, but they paid me. And then, uh, yeah, we got credit for the first album. But me and Wale straight, I mean, he. You know, I really can't hold people to their actions when they're not fully in their right minds or even know, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. he knew the gangster shit and all the shit that could have happened to him. But it was it was more about, you know what, I'm gonna get mine if it ever comes out. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when it came, you know, we got straight. So you, you got, a, uh, you met obviously the Rockefeller crew during the Reasonable Doubt era, right? Yep. And um, there's a story that you brought the pay in full script to Dean? Yeah, How'd I that did. Come about? Yeah, so I was, um, I was working with Dallas Austin and Kevin Zinger. Kevin Zinger owned, uh, what was it, Volcano Records, I think, back then, and Dallas was doing Free World. And this dude named Shep from Harlem um, came to the office and he had the paid in full script. And he was basically brought AZ, you know, the, the character oh, that the, Wood oh, Harris played. The real AZ. The real AZ. Okay. So, well, we can't say the real AZ. 
I'm the, the real, he, the he real got, AZ. So he, there, there's he, two AZs, he's, but all right, he's all right, partial all right. to, no, there, to, there's to two Sosa. AZs. But, to but Sosa, he, man, one of the greatest MCs of yeah, all. Yeah, no, he's incredible, but he did get his name from me. <laughs> so um, they came to the office, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, Kevin ain't going to get this. You know what I'm saying? Dallas really ain't going to get it. It's some street shit. Yeah. Took him down to John Street, met Dame, met Biggs, um, met Jay, and then they was like, we want to do the story. And so all I asked Damon for was a fucking role. <laughs> In the movie. <laughs> Next time I see this nigga, the movie's been shot. <laughs> he's talking about you want to come to the premiere. No bullshit. Oh, oh you can buy two tickets? Like that? No, yeah. like, no, come with me now. I'm on the way to the premiere. Oh. I saw that nigga on like 47. <laughs> so that's, but you know, that's what, that's what family does. <laughs> but no, it was, it was, it was awesome because I mean, after that, I mean, he offered me a great position um, to help them change the direction for Rockefeller because they wanted to do more than just rap. So I came, you know, obviously when Cam and them had just sold a million records, Kanye was up to bat. Um, we were working on a bunch of shit. Black Album was being worked on. So it was just like a good time at Rockefeller. And I think actually one of the best times, because State Property was on full tilt. You oh, had man. Dipset, you had, you know, Ye. Um, and then obviously. Peak of their powers. Yeah, it was, it was incredible, man. Yeah. But that's when also the demise started, man. That's when I left the music business alone because I saw how the office was splitting up. You had Brooklyn and Harlem. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, hey, the Dipset was trying to whoop everybody. I got a wild story about that. What's that? What's that? No, nah, because I remember Lenny had got into it with him. Lenny, yes, big shout out to my brother. Um, and then that same week I came and I went into Dame's office. And I'm like, yo, y'all seen Dame? And uh, it was Cam, Big Joe, um, uh, Capo was in there. A couple other, you know, the Dipset motherfuckers. So I had everybody's respect. But whatever Cam was on Killer was on some shit that they what the fuck I look like. I'm like, nigga, you're sitting in this chair. I thought you might know where the fuck you was. Jesus Christ. Nah, nigga, da, da, da. I was like, all right, nigga, well, all that shit, I'm down the hall. My office is the one with the green wall. I had the only office with plants and green shit. So I walked down the hall and heard, nigga, fuck the ah! You know, New York niggas. All you New York niggas sound like that when you get mad. I don't know if you realize, ah! No, no, I'm not stereotyping. But, but no, I'm not. I'm, I'm joking. But no, so I, I just heard some fussing, and then Jim Jones came down and yo, man, Killer was just bugging all mess all good. We ain't seen Dame that. I was like, this shit is crazy. Like, and I'm clearly in the back of my mind because they referred to my whole crew as a dress shirt mafia because I had just, just, yeah, we had a role in State Property too that they took out. Um, but yeah, we had a whole thing like Dame. He had the uh, spot called, infamous spot called the Black Door in Tribeca. He built a whole closet. Niggas told me, we ain't never gonna wear that shit. He built a whole closet. All he had was Ralph Lauren button ups. Jay Z made change clothes, but. That change you know. clothes is different, man. I, I remember that that was a cultural change in how we dress going to parties. That was it. Bro. It was like button ups. All right, cool. We got that. Did, did that dipset thing really break up Rockefeller? Was, or was no, 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 no. I, I was telling you that story because it was a wild okay. story. What broke up Rockefeller, and I think a lot of people are starting to see publicly, was Dane. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, man, Dame was the one fighting and fussing to get them in the door, and he gets all respect for that because, as we all know and have heard throughout history, um, the Rockefeller history that Jay didn't have a deal. Nobody wanted to sign him, mm -hmm. and they put their money with their mouth, you know, where their mouth was. They got a deal, freeze, uh, freeze, freeze priority. You know, they sold all in records. They got a major deal with Def Jam, and the rest is literally history. But you know, I think money, you know, brought out those sides of Damon, man, that really, you know, and I. I like the honor conversation. I like the independent conversation. I like a lot of the things that Damon stood on. I just think after time, it's just like, bro. Going too far. You're going too far. Mm -hmm. These are your brothers. So first and forth, they're your brothers. I don't give a fuck if my brother got a mental illness and he killing motherfuckers. Like, I'm literally not, like, 
you know what I'm saying, giving up. Like, it's some, it's some way, somehow we got – and, of course, I mean, you know, Dame and Jay. I mean, Jay was big, you know, Boogie's godfather. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was just too much personal. Yeah, it's family time. And you made a shitload of money. Yeah. And so how can you not – you know, revel in that. But I, I just saw the writing on the walls. And to be honest with you, I quit the music business after Rockefeller because I'm like, I could never in my life have seen that happen. And to be honest, if it wasn't for Biggs, like, you know, a lot of shit would have fell apart a lot earlier than that because people don't know, like, Hoffa ran the label. Like, yeah, from, everybody, I'm everybody about, say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From the dip set on, like, you know what I'm saying? The kind, like, all that shit. I mean, Dame was there, but Dame was rock aware. He was a new America magazine. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, America magazine. Armadale at that time. Ar like, yeah, it was just a lot of shit he was trying to do, but Biggs held it down. And like I just said, that was the biggest time at Rockefeller ever, and Biggs doesn't get that credit, so big shout to Hoffa. And he was, to be honest with you, um, I feel like Jay, you know what I'm saying, and his crew, he's still with his crew. He made his friends rich, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, they contribute, so forth and so on, but Jay went through his period of acting funny. You know what I'm saying? It's just facts. I mean, you get to a certain point, you don't know who and what. So you, you're blocking yourself off to things. And I don't think I've ever um, felt that way about Biggs. He was the only consistent one all the way through. Now, hold, I mean, let's get it 1,000%. I respect him. I love him. Mm -hmm. It is an honor to watch him grow and, and even more of an honor to have been a part of what they did. But, you know, that nigga Biggs is like, he stays yeah. solid. And didn't I, I've never known another side of Biggs. We ran into him. A yeah, few we ran. Times. We ran into him. Yeah, shout out to Biggs. Yeah, we try, we try yeah, to get him. He got get on the podcast real soon. Y'all so. get him on. I mean, shit. Yeah. He, he want to give like, and you got to understand too. Biggs didn't talk a lot. Biggs yeah. wasn't the guy that's out here like sharing it, but now he's ready. Like you know, what I'm saying yeah. he got a lot to offer, bro. Nah, that's shout a out fact, to Biggs. So yeah. all right, so now we're gonna go into the next segment. We're gonna talk about the nightlife because we haven't covered that, and that's a that's an exciting topic. So. All right, so now we're gonna talk about. The night licensing, but before that, um, so you 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 said you launched um Revolt, right? Yeah. Shout out to Derek um Ferguson. We had him. D Ferg. Yeah, 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 good yeah, good man. friend, a good friend of the podcast. Good, good friend man, of the podcast. Good husband, Great man. Good yeah, yeah, for Great sure. Man. Love so, him. He held me down my entire time with Puff, and it was so, tumultuous, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> what was um? <laughs> what was, but love too. That's yeah. That's big what one. was the um the process in launching a TV network? Because that's not like an everyday thing. That's a whole yeah different type yeah. of vibe. Like, yeah. So I mean, Puff is a is a is a very intuitive person as far as culture is concerned, and he realizes opportunities. And at the time, he wanted to basically launch a network that was heavy into the mobile side of things too because a lot of what AT&T, Comcast, and all the other carriers do is like they have, a, you know, all this phone stuff is, you know, next level. So he wanted to be ahead of the curve. And that was the initial goal for, uh, for Revolt. And in 2013, you know, he reached out like, look, like I'm doing X, Y, and Z. So at first it was more consultancy. I'm going back and forth. And he's like, no, I need you in LA. So I moved the family out. Um, and we got to rocking, you know. The, the unfortunate thing is, is that, well, the unfortunate thing and fortunate thing, the unfortunate thing was that his vision was a little early. You know what I'm saying? To do segments and small pieces of content on the linear platform. Like, like YouTube type of content. Yeah, yeah, like, and, and I mean, I think it worked to a certain point, but then, you know, there's certain things, and I won't give the answers now because I'm gonna do it, but it's like, <laughs> You know, I'm going to give you models, right? So, like, Bounce TV, big shout out to my brother Ryan Glover. He just sold for a bag. And their whole model was, you know, licensed programming. They did, mm -hmm. like, Bounce TV. Bounce TV. They did licensed programming. They did programming that just made sense because it wasn't available anywhere else. I mean, you could see bits and pieces on BET and other, like, forms of, of television like that, maybe VH1, but they went hard 
like bang, 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 bang every day. Oh my God, I'm gonna. So if you ever had a nostalgic moment or needed a nostalgic fix, you could Check go. Them up. And so, you know, I just think that, like I said, you know, and I and I and it's not done that I'm, you know, gone forever from Revolt because I want to. I like to finish things I start. And mm -hmm. if he move if he, if he moves Revolt to Atlanta, and I and Andre Harrell is CEO and I'm president, <laughs> I'm there. You so know what I'm saying, and I'll bring this new idea that'll change the game. But <laughs> you know, so first. yeah, but we, yeah, it was it was it was a blessing. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. The relationship with Puff started in that Big Mac campaign, and throughout the years, it's just been you said tumultuous, but like I met Puff when I was 16 okay. in Washington D.C. There was a club called Opera, and I saw him standing. I had a Pele Pele, one half black, one half white. He looked like the Jodeci video, and <laughs> I I had seen him because you know I was in the street. So I had seen him. So he saw me, and he, we had a bunch of girls. Because he's so at just, Howard at the time. He was at Howard when okay. I was in high school. So um, we just had a mutual, like, I see this guy. Okay, I know yeah. this guy. And, like, you know, back then, you don't approach nobody and talk about nothing. You'd be like, what's up? Until you say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So something in common comes along because right. the circle's so small in the streets. You had to. So one day it happened, and we spoke, and we've been cool. And Freak Nick 94, when we did the Big Mac thing, you know, that's when I became a legend. That's, that's when my legend started because... Mark Pitts, we used to call him Gucci Don. So Gucci was getting into a fight. <laughs> um, they had this Y-shaped y staircase in, this, in the funk clinic, the warehouse where I used to do my parties. And I saw, I was, Ron G was DJing, so I'm in the booth, I'm on the mic talking my shit, and I see Gooch, you know, this type of shit. So Puff and Wolf and all them downstairs, I'm like, oh shit, they, if they see that, it's over, and it's freaking it. Yeah. So I, I was, you know, 1,000 people inside, 1,000 people outside. So I run off the mic, I get Gooch, like, you straight, man, fuck this. You know, so, you know, Gucci's. You know, he quiet, but yeah. he go hard. So I'm like, yo, ch just chill. It's freaking out. Got you. Let me get the fuck out and pay the bounce. <laughs> you know, like, yo, chill. So I'm thinking we good. But somebody had ran down to tell Puff. Uh -oh. So as we come down to Y shape, you know, we get to the landing and we like midway before we hit the thing. And yo, Puff's like, yo, what the fuck going on? The New York shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, like, we good. Like, Relax, like we good, like it's over. Gucci, you straight, I'm straight. Now fuck that nigga, we from New York, nigga, nigga Harlem, nigga. Ah, not White Plains, Harlem. Ah, oh, <laughs> damn. So no, I'm just fucking. Mount Vernon. <laughs> but my point is, point is, I'm like, I'm telling him like it's over. Yeah. And so back in in those days, it was the Wild Wild West. You know what I'm saying? Like you could buy a gun at Kmart down here with no license. Like the shit was crazy. So everybody strapped. And then all of a sudden, he, you know, the tsunami starts. Oh, and so shit. I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get niggas just. So they rushed the door. And when they rushed the door, I had just bought a, I'll never forget this truck. And this is going to make me mad as shit thinking about it. I had just bought a Ford Explorer. I had a new grill and Mickey Thompson's. And my cousin <laughs> left it parked in front of the door. So in front of the door is the barricade. So when they rush, the shit hits my lights, breaks all my shit, my fucking bumpers hanging down. So I don't see it yet. So I'm coming outside because, you know, all the drama had left it. And so people still part, you know, the one thing about back in the day, you could have all types of chaos, but if you got it out the club, the party would remain. So we yeah. got it outside. So party's still going on without my outside. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, oh, my fucking truck. So long story <laughs> short, I'm like getting pages, you know, because this is like beepers. This yeah, is yeah, not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So you got to get the beeper. What year was this? 96? This is 94. 94, 94, 94. 94. I think it was Freaknik 94, yeah. Okay. We had Ron G that weekend, Kid Capri, bit, like all them early. So long story short, I'm getting all these pages, 911. So I need my money for my truck. I was, you know, first of all, Puff was my idol at this point. He was, where, what he did in D.C., I moved to Atlanta to do. And it broke my fucking face that he would fight in my party. 
knowing you come from that cloth, you know how important this is. You see all these people in line. Mm-hmm. You're going to do that to me? Mm-hmm. I gave them, like, Moet White Star was like $75. $75. I gave them for $35. Like, I, I was just trying to make Not concessions. That White Star. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, White Star was Chris Star back then. Not that White Star. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, long story short, the story goes. After he left town without paying my money, I went to New York. <laughs> and I went to Queens. It was some, not Queens, I'm sorry, the Queens Bridge on the Manhattan side. It was a club that was underneath the joint. And so um, Clark Kent, big bro, and one of my best friends, big hustler from Detroit, who funded most of the 2620 shit back in the day, he with me. So I, I'm feeling like, you know what, I, ain't, I don't give a fuck. All them niggas know me. If they, you know what I'm saying, then everybody knows what's up. So I go to the club, I'm like, yo, some of my money. <laughs> so Puff looks at me literally, right? He, he like he looks. He looks at me like, nigga. I was like, he said, he said, he said. Uh, I said, what's up with my money? He said, I got so much money. He put like ten thousand. I was like, I, I got so much money. I can have you missing, nigga. You come to my city. Ah! That's all I heard. Ah! So I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> Hit the money out of his hand. It looked like the scene. The <laughs> shit. So I'm motherfucking ducking. And, and to be honest with you, to be honest with you, motherfuckers weren't trying to hit me like that. Because if they wanted to hit me, it was they could have gotten. I, I mean, when I say I was in New York and I had three people with me, and Clark was an innocent bystander and shit, because he was Puff DJ too, so he's more like this. Yeah. I'm like, nigga, everybody's gonna die, right? So yeah, make it out of that joint. I see him the next day in front of the. Uh, is that the Hilton on Seventh Ave? It was the last year of the new music seminar. And he had a picket sign in one hand and my nephew in the other hand, Justin. And he's like, yo, black God. (laughs) Black God, sun, moon, stars, nigga. We black, nigga. We can't be doing this. You know, we out here killing each other. This shit is crazy, nigga. We can never do no shit like that if we want to get to the real money. The white man. Nigga, he had me Jedi mind trick. I was like, damn, I don't need the knowledge. Did all this shit, Paul. I ain't need that money, bro. I ain't need it. Nigga, I was forget about the money. Jedi mind trick by that nigga. I said, this nigga is good. <laughs> but after that, we were solid. Um, we had cost each other some money, but yeah. the, the respect is there, and that's all I wanted. You know, light skinned niggas had to fight for their back in the day. So, so those, those I wasn't going out like that. Those, those legendary parties, like what what type of money are we pulling in for a night like that? What, at the, in college? In college. So in, in college, you're doing about 9,000 a week. For, a part, for how many parties? Just one. one. One party. And we was charging 5 and $10. So to think that, that's crazy. No, because we, <laughs> that's crazy. we, we were the first to do like bar guarantees and shit. Um, we was putting tables together. There was no sections back in the day. We were putting high tops together and putting mm-hmm. the buckets of champagne and kind of like. Like standing room? Yeah, like, because okay. it was only a dance floor. Literally, it was, and then you had high tops in certain clubs. One twelve, uh, no, actually, Atlanta Live, I think, was the first banquet styled. You know what? One twelve had some uh, some sections too, but they were like small. It wasn't like what yeah. Alex did. You know what I'm saying? And what we did at the world famous compound. So it's crazy because, all right, talking about compound and where we at now. Because I'm in my mid 30s, so but I was clubbing like when I was 16. Because my my brother used to promote parties, right? So and I always looked kind of older than what I was. So I used to go to clubs in like a very young age. So long story short, I saw the evolution of parties mm-hmm. where it was like actually a real party where people dance to it becoming like it, even we used to go to Miami like and then it was like we see like one bottle service table, then it was two. And it was three. Then, then before was, the whole club was bottle yeah, service, the, whole club was the perimeter yeah. was just the bar, right? But the crazy thing to me, looking at it from a business standpoint, is like the bottle service, the markup is so crazy. Like you getting a, oh my God. a $30 bottle like of, of Ciroc and you're selling it for 
$400 plus tip plus the whole bottle service gratuity and all of that and it, it to me it really changed the whole vibe of the nightlife scene so you being a, a host and you know a nightlife specialist and all of that um how did it change it and like what's the profit margins in in clubs is it as profitable as it's because on the outlaw on the outside looking in it looks like a very profitable business is it as profitable it's as it profitable seems profitable when you own the club mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying if you own the dirt you're getting your bread. You know what I'm saying? When you're doing parties, and it's like, I've never seen no shit like what they're doing today. It'd be 25 <laughs> promoters. You know what I'm saying? For the same like, party. How are you getting money? I don't know. <laughs> I need to know. I need answers. <laughs> but like in the beginning, it was about the experience. You know what I'm saying? And anything I've ever done personally, but I, you're asking me how, I, how the, you know, how it's gone from that to this. So in the beginning, it was about the vibe. You know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, you started to cater to more of the needs, and that's, that's why service came up, cause you know what I'm saying? Real get money motherfuckers wouldn't come out and dance like that. Yeah. They wanted to be kind of posted up on the side, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you kind you had to, you know, um, cater to that. But then the flip did too, like the world famous compound here in Atlanta, like, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago when we started that month. Well, actually, I'm sorry, 15 years ago. We just had the 15th anniversary this year. But when we started that, the tables became just centerpieces of the celebration. It was not like you in the joint chilling. Yeah. Oh no, stand on some fucking furniture. We about to couch surfing this motherfucker like <laughs> before swag sir. But my point is like, you know, it's it's all in who does what, right? So if Kenny Burns does a party, if I do cassette, you coming to dance. Like women are bringing scrunchies in their purse. They putting that hair up and they gonna get to it because they know that this is the one time a month I can have the best time of my life. You mm. know what I'm saying? And I think it, it has a lot to do with the promoters. Like Alex, he could care less. As long as he sells those tables and you're asking margins, we had- Alex Jermaine, is from AG, right? AG Entertainment, big shout out to Alex. You know, he's my, he was my partner at the Funk Clinic too, but he's okay. the uh, only actually land club owner here that is a friend of mine. I mean, like, there are others, I'm yeah. sure, but I mean, a lot of people got leases and things, but he actually owns the dirt at Compound. But for me, man, like, I'll never forget, we did $700,000 at the bar in one night. 700000 700, What weekend? Is it like a fight uh, weekend? Jermaine Dupree had, I think it was So So Def 20, and he had Jay come. And so we booked Jay at the Compound. It's a legendary picture to put on the screen. Um, <laughs> I think so, I know um, this one. <laughs> yeah, so it's me, Jeezy, Pecas. Beyonce's uh, there too. No, no, she that was at the uh, at Rain. Okay, but this one, yeah, we did seven hundred at the bar, so it's very lucrative. And if you think about like, okay, let's let's just let's look at expenses. Okay, if you have if you if you're leasing a club in a major metropolitan city outside of New York and L.A. or Miami, because that's strange fruit, but meaning like it's just ridiculous, right? Thing, right? But if you do like D.C., Atlanta, Chicago, whatever, right? You're gonna probably pay upwards to fifteen, you know, fifteen thousand a month, twenty thousand. Just say it's thirty thousand a month. Thirty thousand a month, you really could do in one day. Like the compound is only open on Saturdays, and they rent it out every other time. So you gotta imagine they make their nut, you know what I'm saying, and a half a party, you know what I'm saying, and the rest of the month, you know what I'm saying, is expenses and profit, right? So, I mean, it's very lucrative if you if you really got the game down pat. But I don't suggest anyone getting that game thinking you're just gonna get paid. It takes years to earn that, those relationships. How stressful is it booking artists that I, might come, might not come, might come drunk? You, high. you pay. You, you know, I never depend on artists. Like I, that's why I became a host. Hmm. Yeah. I never wanted to ride or die on the talent. Hmm. That's why in the marketing field, I never did deals with idiots. You know what I'm saying? I never did deals with people that I didn't think 
were, you know what I'm saying, equipped to get, you know, to give me what I need or give the client because I was basically the plug or the connector, but yeah. And yeah. I never wanted, that's why I, even with cassette, it's about the party. We bring artists every month. I feel like people come because they know it's you. Yeah. It's not, they're not like somebody else being there is like a plus, added, but it's added, like they know bonus. what yeah. your party means. Like, And I, and, and big shout out to all these hosts out there, but I'm different. Like I, I'm really an artist. Like I'm the fifth member of fucking Jagged Edge. I'm fucking, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you, if you watch me, I'm laying on the fucking floor, nigga. I'm rolling around. I'm dancing with the bigger. I'm doing whatever. I'm doing whatever because I, I really believe that if you're not having a good time, like you will not be a repeat customer. That's a fact. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, I mean, that's in, in the entertainment business in general. But I, all you guys, any, I've, I've mentored thousands directly or indirectly. I've partied with hundreds of thousands, and I guarantee you, if it's something that I have control over. They leave having the best time they've ever had. Did bottle service ruin the nightclub scene? No, nah, not at all. Not no. at all. Don't think so? No, because this is a show me. I just said at the beginning, this is a show me culture. And what better way? I mean, we started a hundred bottles. Like Polo to Don. Mm. They used to come buy a hundred bottles. It sparkles fine. How crazy? All right, I just made me think about something. You've been in Atlanta for a long time. You mm -hmm. was throwing parties in Atlanta for a long time. We've Wait, heard do you think it, 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 it fucked up the nightlife? I think it changed it drastically. Better and worse. Yeah, because how do you make money if you don't elevate well, from, the game? from that standpoint, but from an actual party, it's not a party. Nobody's partying. Nobody dances. No, no, you young motherfuckers, not you. You young <laughs> motherfuckers ain't partying. And now they're trying to get back to partying because the old niggas are saying what the party was like. My whole thing is niggas is really dys the dys dyslexic when it comes to the truth. It's like they, they view it and read it in their own way. They take their, you know what I'm saying? Their, their skew on it is different. Like, if you go to a party, where it's a bunch of niggas smoking weed and taking <laughs> lean and pills, and then you got the, the girls doing it too, you're not gonna have a good time. Because yeah. everybody is high as a motherfucker. <laughs> but if you go to a party where you're a little high, but you balanced <laughs> out by the liquor, and you got a bunch of women, because listen, ladies, if they have killer tattooed on their forehead, <laughs> if their teeth, are super fucked up <laughs> from all the fucking drugs they take. If their lips are black from fucking smoking so many black and miles, not even weed, <laughs> you must reevaluate. This is a public is service a announcement. But that's the motherfuckers <laughs> from that you're talking about. You're not talking about the, the motherfuckers that smell good and put on that motherfucking you mean <laughs> and go out to have a good time. You're talking about the high motherfuckers. You got to be talking yeah, about it's, the high it's, it's, it's tough to mix those two. Right? You can't. Yeah. I don't. I had a white party this past, um, literally, this is the facts, the 100% truth. I had a white party this Labor Day week, uh, weekend at the World Famous Compound, and you know we do this annual white party. We've been doing this shit. I've heard forever. about, heard about you know it. So literally, to the left of me is the Habesha fucking mafia, right? Ethiopian Eritrean. I'm about to say, I'm like, yo, who is Like the mafia. Okay, okay. Right? Ethiopian it's mafia. real. Okay. It's real. Big shout out to my Eritreans, my Ethiopians. But like literally, and they, they smoking all the jewelry on the shit, and they not moving. They want to hear trap. Mm -hmm. That's all they want to hear. To the right of me is Ludacris, you know, my wife, Edoxy, like, you know what I'm saying? All our crew. And they in that motherfucker like, oh! <laughs> I'm talking about they in that motherfucker having the time of their life. And it, for me, was the moment I had to decide, I am never doing 
any trap shit <laughs> again because this is not who i am yeah, this yeah. is not who i am and i love i loved little baby is probably my favorite new art like yeah. i love his albums yeah. right but I just, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to I, I want to be dancing next to something soft, you know what I'm talking about? And, and that smells good, you know what I'm saying? With the hair up. And I don't want to be nervous, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me ask you this, because like you was in Atlanta for These a long time. These young niggas is retarded. <laughs> you was in Atlanta for a long time, and you did parties for a long time. How big, how big, we, we wasn't in Atlanta. We just came to Atlanta recently. How big was BMF? Oh, BMF was, yeah. I, I mean, you know, if you look at, the drug dealer tales from city but to like city. in the clubs like because we heard the stories oh, in the man, clubs I, like a million okay, dollars so, in a strip club yeah, and all so that no i i i'm gonna tell you what i witnessed i came back the year before um he got shot in the ass and then the <laughs> who, year who, who's he got that? Who got oh yeah yeah big no. meech meech got shot in the ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah so okay. um so he got shot yeah yeah so long story short i'm um I'm literally like, move, I moved back. Visions is open, right? So Alex is obviously one of my best friends and he was, you know, he started booming when I left in the party. I'm talking about where he was thinking about ownership, got his club, so forth and so on. So he wanted me to host over at the uh, Vision spot, right? So I had been hearing this Meech story and this BMF story, but I was around the world, you know, c coming up in the music business. So I come home, I'm hosting. So DJ Infamous is on the one and twos and we rocking. You know what I'm saying? So I saw Jeezy coming. I was like, Snow, da -da -da -da, you know, doing my shout outs. And then all of a sudden, here comes Meech. And it looked like he's with the FOI, nigga. When I say he was militant, the way they walked in the club, my nigga, so Meech walks in. So I'm like, damn, this is finally my opportunity to shout them out, get them on my radar. You know what I'm saying? Well, so I'm, I'm hip to everybody. I'm knowing who everybody is. So I was like, big shout out to Meech. My light skin brother from another mother just popped in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's time to celebrate. He literally, like, his back was turned to the DJ booth. He literally turned around and everybody stopped. As, as he began to turn around, it was like it was Farrakhan, I promise you. He, everybody stopped. He turned around and then he looked at, he looked up at the booth and he was like, with his bottle of PJ, and then everybody in the booth was like, I was like, yo, <laughs> this nigga's like Farrakhan in this motherfucker, right? And then the next day, I'm driving down Peachtree from Lenox, this nigga walking down the street, nigga, with a perm. This nigga had a perm <laughs> down here, nigga, with two German shepherds leading him, nigga, with a whole fucking, like, I'm like, who is this superhero? <laughs> like, this nigga, and then I promise you, I was at Greenbrier Mall, and, um, I didn't see him there, but a guy was standing next to the cash register, and he had a bag of money on the thing. You know what I'm saying? And I, apparently, Meech, you know, told him to go up there and every purchase for back to school, you know what I'm saying, you pay for the shit until the money mm -hmm. runs out. So everybody mm -hmm. was, like, they was getting free. So I witnessed a few things, but the stories I hear are unbelievable. Yeah. That that militant where everybody's looking sounds like somebody that we just read into, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, man. We 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 were in Houston and um, we've been trying. Like Biggs is one of those people we've been trying to get on. We, we ran into him a few times. We couldn't connect. We went to Houston with the intent of meeting Jay Prince and trying to oh, get him on, yeah. him on the, on a last podcast. of a dying breed. Indeed, shout out to Indeed. Jay Prince. We'll, uh, we'll tell that story one day. <laughs> and his son. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and we met him too. <laughs> yeah, we met him too. Yeah, all of them, five yeah. of them. So, <laughs> junior, junior is, yeah, Junior's, I mean, listen, they, 
it is what it is, right? So it's like you knowing that you got to act accordingly. Or yeah. Not, you know what I'm saying? But I like the pressure. You know what I'm saying? I think they do too. Because somebody <laughs> said, no, no, but, but, but it ain't even unwarranted though. Like, I mean, Jay Prince is still around because he's made the right move. Mm -hmm. Not just moves, he made the right move. Yep. And when you are part of that street culture, like it's a, he comes from the, the school of rules. It's just things you do and don't yeah. do. And so I, I applaud him for being able to walk that walk and continue that. I had just saw somebody say, um, I think it was my, my, my guy Ruggs. It's like, you guys really think y'all gangsters, but y'all never been tested. Y'all mm -hmm. never had that thing on y'all about to lose your life, you know what I'm saying? Or have to take, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, people be out here, y'all be like, yeah, y'all so gangster. It's just like Takashi. I hate to even bring uh, him up. Nah, let's but it is scary. <laughs> did, he tell on, is, did he tell on you? Nah, probably. <laughs> All my shit saturated. That's what I'm talking about. But my point is, you know, it's it's a thing that when you like you really sign up for this shit. And like I remember Takashi like out here like blood, look blood. And like <laughs> it's like Daniel, chill. chill like yeah. You just had the all blue bed sheet. Like, wasn't you just a crib? Like, damn, but my, my, thing, my thing is, is damn, damn. damn. <laughs> but that'd be my thing, though. Like, is that, is, you know, because again, this this whole thing, all this shit is about, you know what I'm saying? The look and w what I'm doing. I'm I've never heard of so many gangbangers in my 46 years of life. I've never, I've never heard of this man. And to be honest with you, when Jimmy and them was blood back in the day when they was all up at Rockefeller, it blew me like, go, they really got bloods out here? Yeah, that felt new yeah. to New York. That was so new yeah. to New York to me. I've been around, like, I'm like, oh shit, but if that's what y'all doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But my thing is like, this shit be such fads, right? Yeah. It's like, it's so popular to be this, so so popular, until you go to jail. Do you know, and this is what I want to tell to all my hustlers, I don't even know how you get money no more, but <laughs> do you know this device? You have to watch The Great Hack. Watch The Great Hack. They try to start off The Great Hack by telling you they do not listen to your conversation, but that's bullshit because there's no way you can get ads in your feeds if they don't know what you're talking about. That's one. Fact. That's a fact. But if you think about the propaganda, right? In the great hack, they were telling us basically, yo, the motherfucking uh, Cambridge Analytica is the ones who created all the black lives, fucking memes and all that shit and sent them to all the motherfucking weird white motherfuckers and all the closet racists that were still in the closet. You know what I'm saying? And had it come out. And that's why Trump won. Like, you gotta watch the great hack. Mm -hmm. This shit is unbelievable. It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. You gotta watch that shit. But that's, that's my point with these, these, you know, instant Instagram gangsters or these internet gangsters or these tough people, you know, you can say anything online. You can say anything you want online, there's no repercussions. Until you run into that motherfucker. And then you got a problem, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, but you know, yeah. I wish everybody the best. <laughs> That's another nah, public so, service. All right, in the last time we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about what you got going on too with your, with your liquor company and the spirits industry. Um, yes. So we're gonna get into that. So in the last segment, we're gonna talk about a billion dollar industry, maybe even more than that. Uh, the spirits, the spirits industry, and you are a co-owner. Well, before I even go there, so you are a brand ambassador for Grey Goose, Ciroc, Deleon. Any other? That I um, well, let's just start here. I created all the influencer programs that all spirit companies use. I was, um, like I said, I created the Heineken Red Star, sold tour, so I can host it. So Heineken was a big part in the beginning of that for me. But my 35th birthday is when I became a legend in it because I did it, I did my 35th birthday party at the Versace Mansion and I paid for chicken tenders. I had like 175,000. In Miami? Yeah. <laughs> chicken yeah, tenders. Yeah. I oh. literally like, I mean, I, I, I did a favor. I was ear hustling in DC, big shout out to Mark Barnes at his club Love. 
and um, the reps for Moy Hennessy were there, and they were like, I got a problem. Like, listening, I got a problem. This fucking guy, Alex, and his brothers, they're like the fucking mob down there. They won't let us in these clubs. They're fucking telling us we got to pay X, Y, and Z. I said, excuse me, I don't mean to be uh, eavesdropping, but I can help you with your problem. <laughs> and so they were like, yeah, you, you sure? Because I don't know. I said, no, these are, these are my best friends. Like, if there's a problem that's fixable, I can fix it. So um, they were like, all right, cool. So um, two weeks later, I had them back in the club, and they're like, yo, what can we do for you? I was like, well, I'm turning 35, and I want to do my birthday party at the Versace Mansion. So they were like, yeah, um, that, that might get a little pricey. Maybe we can do a couple brands, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, cool, let me know. I said, you know what? Two weeks later, they called me, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Party's yours. Get the event planner. Let us know who we cutting the checks to, blah, blah, blah. So obviously then social media wasn't, you know what I mean, to have all of whatever. So we ended up getting like a billion impressions because Star Jones wow. and Al Reynolds were in a relationship, and she was on The View. I don't even know if y'all remember this. Yeah, Star yeah, Jones, yeah, 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 I remember that. So, but it was the biggest that. thing in the tabloid thing. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously all the Fat Joes, like all the rappers that, uh, so anyway, so we, were, we, you know, we had this amazing party, but from that, the uh, global head of marketing came because they got a, uh, my, I, my invitation was a bobblehead to me. And <laughs> they usually don't do cross-branding promotion on the box. I had like all, because they had to get money from each 10 came rum, Don Perignon, Moet, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Hennessy and Belvedere. So long story short, he came up because he's like, why are we doing this for this non-celebrity? Like, we're spending a lot of money. Like, why yeah, are we doing yeah, it? Yeah. So when they came over, they were like, yo, like, this is unreal. Like, this, this dude brought all these people. Now, mind you, 70 to yeah, probably 80% of the people flew in for the party. Yeah. And so they were just amazed by it. So after that, they were like, yo, can we do some other things? Let's try this. So I would do little things and set in a third. But then when it got to um, Grey Goose, Puff was on fire with the flavors. And so Grey Goose had had Le Poil, Le Citron, Le Ronge, like all these flavors, but they weren't popping. And they were like, can you help us with these flavors? I said, well, let me pick the flavor. You get that to me for six months. I'll, you know, I'll pop it off in Atlanta. We'll see how it goes. Six, six months, we were up 498% because I had yeah. the club. Like I had, you know, the, the warehouse, I'm sorry, the uh, compound, gold room, like, Preve all the clubs I had. So you're putting put the bottles in right. there. Right. I was just like, I got to have a spin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So long story short, that caught on like wildfire. They ended up giving me a million dollars on my credit card. That y'all did Drake tour. I did a whole bunch of different stuff. But they were like, yo, like we, we want to do, you know, we want to do a fucking program with you, right? Mm -hmm. Help us set up with other people in other markets. So I started putting them with people. And then um, Puff came. And this is when um, Puff and I got, did y'all hear about that shit? When me and Puff got into it at the thing, it was on MTV. A fight? No, nah, we it almost turned into a fight. But it, it wasn't a fight. <laughs> what had happened was, <laughs> so he had Justin's restaurant down here back then. Yes, yeah, And so, you know, I was popping. Like, Grey Goose was on fire. And I was like, let me fuck with him. You know what I'm saying? So I put a billboard right on the side of motherfucking Justin's with a bottle of Grey Goose in my hand. It was literally a, like this. And he had Ciroc at that time? Oh, he was on fire oh, with Ciroc. Okay. It was that's the height. It was Coco Loso and that's all that. That's okay. So I'm on, a, I'm on a billboard, right? That's like okay. literally across the street. That's okay. So um, he was coming <laughs> to the compound, right? And we had him at the compound. I'll never forget because Tip just got out of jail uh, for the gun shit. And um, I put my booth in front of his booth to, for the crowd to see. So every time they ordered one, two Ciroc, I ordered three or four. Like, it's a great goose. So I was... And so after a minute, he was getting irritated. But me, I'm thinking, 
You oh, puff daddy. I noticed. The, okay. Yeah, I like, you puff daddy. If you wanted to, you could say, Al, he has to stop buying. Because Alex owned the club. I didn't own the club. I mean, I had the influence of the club. But I didn't That's own your the man. club. That's your man. Yeah, it's my man. Yeah. But he, if he said, I'm leaving, if he doesn't stop or something, it would have been fair because yeah. I really was fucking with him. You know what I'm saying? But he lost his cool. He threw a piece of ice, hit my little stick man in the face, right? <laughs> but behind him was, you know, one of my, my guys, right? So he didn't realize it, but I saw it. And mind you, so say she's... The guy who got hit in the head with the ice is is me, your puff. So they're like, I mean, they're really like 12 feet apart, but y'all equal. Me and T.I. equal. So Puff gets the mic after he hits the dude. He's like, yo, you fucking light-skinned niggas. Now, mind you, the nigga he talked to is not light-skinned. <laughs> that means the whole time in his head, he's talking to me, right? <laughs> so I'm like, this nigga's wild. And so Tip gets the mic. And Tip's like, yo, it's they shit. This is house, nigga. He can drink what he want. And then Puff's like, don't do that. Don't do that. So at the time, I'm like, yo, Puff is not like, he didn't look, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, let me get over there. So I tip is here to me, y'all. So I'm making my way, nigga. When I tell you 6,000 people in the World Famous Compound, I'm making my way over. So I get over, and I'm like, you straight? Because the dude was, the dude who got hit is actually terrified. The dude in the back of him broke bottles, ready to rush, like the whole <laughs> shit. And I'm like, yo, chill out, nigga. Like, it ain't none of that's happening. So I'm like, boom. So, but then Puff's like, yeah, fuck you too, nigga. And I'm like, and mind you, now he's seen me working my, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I jump up on the thing and I, big, big shout out to Rube, BK Rube, jumps over cause he's like, yo, what's this nigga doing? And then James uh, Cruz and whoever else like, no, that's Kenny, nigga. Let them figure that shit out, nigga. If they start fighting, let them, you know what I'm saying? So I move and I, so I grab him. I was like, yo, do you know you make a half a million dollars, nigga, and this nigga you hitting the eye makes $36,000. Like, you're tripping. Like, calm down, nigga. No one's coming. Look around us. Yeah. No one's coming. I live here. No one's coming. Like, chill out. So I ended up squashing, whatever. But my point is, like, not only did I save lives that night. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 add I, that to the resume. Peace no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it, it was too no, many I, people. It would have been, been a melee. I remember yeah. that. And Not even I, me and him. I'm talking about the, the regular motherfuckers getting trampled and running. You know, I didn't know that was you because I remember exactly. I have a photographic memory for anybody that doesn't know. So um, I remember watching that clip on Worldstar or something like that. And he was like, yeah, y'all motherfuckers ordering so, um, Great Goose. And T.I. was like, I just got out of jail. Nobody's I'm not going, yeah, to, jail, I'm not going yeah. back to jail for nobody. This is their house. They live here. Like, <laughs> relax. And, and to be honest, that, that I thought it was over with Grey Goose after that. But it got so much press. And he was, and you know, Puff back then was sending toilets to like Melbourne. Like, Puff was off the chain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they were like, yo, like, this guy is, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, Puff offered me a job two weeks later to come <laughs> work for Ciroc. He's a genius. So he, he, uh, he was like, yo, come work for Ciroc. And I kept saying no for like another year until the revolt happened. And then uh, we was rocking. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to Puff, man. Story. You know, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. Like, you know, Puff is a superhero, you know, but he also has done things along the way that taints that, right? But you will never find someone who has contributed more to this generation. You know what I'm saying to him? It wouldn't be a lot of jobs. It wouldn't be a lot of opportunities if it wasn't for that man. So as much as we fight, we brothers, and you know, it is what it is. Shout out to Puff. So, all right. So Black season. 
the uncle black Nick. man that's what he calls <laughs> black we call him black Caesar that's yeah. a fact especially when you had Cassie unfortunate situation but Ooh, you just why did you say I don't know why you like say that <laughs> dear oh, baby that, Jesus forgive this man congratulations <laughs> to her and that's her new a, family that's a soft open wound <laughs> Jesus shout out to Puff shout out to Puff we need you on the podcast Puff shit <laughs> So um, I didn't even say that. <laughs> God damn. That will later be edited. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, the way the way to Puff's heart now. We'll talk about his women, boy. <laughs> Troy, Troy said it. Anybody that's listening to the yeah, audio, Troy, Troy said it. Uh, uh, Uncle Nearest, eighteen. <laughs> Uncle Nearest, eighteen fifty-six. Right. Yes, so you're, you're you're part owner in a company. Um, it's an interesting story. So. He was the original um, black, was he a slave? Yeah, Uncle Nearest was a slave, first generation slave, um, brought to America, um, and was the master distiller um, for Jack Daniels, basically, right? right? Um, and the story goes, just to catch you up, um, in 1856, there was an orphan um, by the name of Jack Daniels who came to the Dan Call farm where Uncle Nearest made whiskey for a preacher, Dan Call. But Dan Call's congregation was like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? You can't be selling the devil's juice and preaching, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so basically, um, you know, Jack Daniels was an orphan living there, and he was so interested in what was going on um, with the whiskey. He was like, you know, basically let me get a shot at it. And uh, long story short, you know, he was a very tiny man, so he looked like a kid, and he can get away and get through things. And back then, you know, they had, like, shoot to kill, like, Civil War, like, orders for people trying to sell whiskey to the troops and things like that. But he was quite the salesman. And Uncle Nearest was his, you know, was his teacher. And fast forward in the 70s, I think it kind of got lost in the sauce about who Nearest and his family was. Um, there's an infamous picture out there. That's actually George, Uncle Nearest's uh son um, and not him a lot of people say it's uncle nearest but okay. it's his son george um but you know his family you know has been with the jack daniels brand since then um in some capacity fashion or form but the founder of uncle nearest fawn weaver she's a best-selling author um her husband keith they were away on vacation and um read the story in the international new york times and you know she's an author so she wanted to, like she just thought the, the story was intriguing um, so she went to, you know, basically figure it out, see what was going on. And then, you know, when she started uncovering things, she saw how important Uncle Nearest was to Jack. Jack had mentioned Uncle Nearest or his boys um, over 50 times in his autobiography, um, which we now own, by the way. The Dan Call Farm, which is 330 acres where they grew up, she found out it was available to buy. She bought it. Um, so we own that. Um, and she did a couple key, you know, acquisitions around the Jack Daniels uh, property or town, if you will, right? Because Lynchburg, Tennessee is Jack Daniels land, mm -hmm. right? So, um, um, yeah, so she basically was like, you know what? I'm going to start a whiskey um, in honor of him. And she started reaching out to all the family members. Our... Uh, our Near Screen Foundation puts all of the descendants through college. If you uh, can, oh, yeah, can, yeah, cool. yeah wow. we have nine in college right now. Full ride, not just for bachelors, but however long you want to go to school, fully paid. All you got to do is maintain a 3.0 um, and pay it for it when you get the opportunity. But that was some of the things that were like amazing to me. Obviously, I had been in the spirits, I've done some amazing things. And a person I knew that was doing the Series A raise, the bulk of the Series A, was like, yo, you got to meet her. And he was telling her, you got to meet him. He's like a savant, like the guy that went against Puff kind of thing, like, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> working Puff. And so we met and, um, 
you know, literally the rest is history. I mean, they were underway, but that was the beginning. Um, when I joined, you know, we did the Breakfast Club and we did all these, you know, and it was, we broke our website several times just on that promo run alone. And, you know, for me, I wanted to go do all the deals in the clubs that I've been doing yeah. all these years, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't able to do that because she wanted to go door to door with it. Like okay. her whole approach was, let's get on menus, let's get on cocktail menus, let's, you know, deal with the bespoke mixologists and all that. And so it was just a, a very great learning curve for me because I come from the, oh, we need uh, 2,000 cases. We're going to give you $60,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, market I'm support. Like, like, you got and the I wanna, Bring the sparkles. Yeah, because, but, but because that's what I had done that, you know, to that point. But she also was like, well, no, like, you know everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, all I need you to do is be you. Like, if you can introduce it to your people at Puro Trader, my, my guy, Pierre, um, Pierre Rogers, that owns Puro Trader. Puro Trader's like the eBay of cigars, but like pre-embargo, 1950 Cubans, like just dope shit. If mm -hmm. you're an aficionado, you should go there and get busy. But, you know, I was putting, and it was just showing up. And like, you now you're seeing people with millions of ludicrous posting, all of my friends. And it was just very natural and organic. And yeah, the rest will be history. I am a um, shareholder, and my great great grandchildren will be all right from this deal. That's, that's dope. amazing. That's dope, man. Man. That's and amazing. I never got equity from anybody else. I've done a lot of great things and wanted to start right. my own thing with certain companies uh, once upon a time. Obviously, working with Ciroc and launching Delion. Apple Ciroc was my launch. Um, so you know, it's 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 a thing when you're like, damn, a complete yeah, stranger. Yeah, for sure, for sure. A compl I didn't know her from nothing. She didn't know me from nothing. We were put together, and the rest is literally history. Nah, I want to thank you, man. Appreciate you you dropping gems on us. And it's all good. Funny stories too. Some good entertaining stories yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. For this sure. be a classic. So what 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 um what you have going on as far as the people that um you know you want to make people aware of uh, anything with the the brand or your parties or anything like that? No, nah, just follow Kenny Burns. Um, all Kenny, social media. Kenny, all social media at Kenny Burns, and you'll see. All right, all right, cool. Can, can, yeah, can we put the curator culture now in the bio? Man, you can call me whatever you want. Just call, <laughs> just call me big bro when you call me. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That is our Proud to Pay program. That's Earn Your Leisure. Patreon.com backslash Earn Your Leisure. We have five different tiers. Uh, shout out to everybody that's been joining. Every every time we do an episode, it feels like we get like two or three more people that are coming on. There's bonus content there. Uh, there's obviously some extended footage. Uh, from the episode, some outtakes that people uh, seem to be enjoying. So we're going to keep put, putting that out. Uh, we're going to continue putting our merch out. That's on EarnYourLeisure.com. Uh, we have all, all of our, you know, traditional shirts, the assets over liabilities, hustle for your last name. Our tour shirts are up there now. So feel free to keep supporting that so we can do, keep doing things like this. Come to Atlanta and meet some real hometown heroes that are doing some incredible things. Yeah, for sure. And um, in our workshop in New York and live streamed all over the world is on the 17th of October. Um, and also, so you guys know I'm a financial advisor, so you DM me all the time. So as I said, the best way to reach me, I have my... You're a lifestyle specialist, Nick. I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I have my calendar on the Certified website, com for sure. Um, and the book tip of this week is The Dream is Real. Hey, you know who wrote that book? Kenny Burns, Cecil <laughs> Cross, <The> legend himself. <laughs> check it out. Check it out on um, on iTunes, right? iTunes, it's on iTunes, Amazon, Amazon, yeah. Kindle, Kindle, for yeah, sure. We'll support for sure. that. Yeah, for sure. Support that for sure. And um, yeah, thank you guys for rocking with us. Don't forget the merch. We'll see you next week. Peace. Oh, and wait, one more thing. Oh, don't leave yet. Stay sucker free, and never let your expectations exceed your effort. If you follow those simple rules. 
You're going to get what you came for. You heard him. Facts. Peace. So being that you, you come from the, the entertainment industry, music specifically, we got a few questions for you. Absolutely. One being that, being that the, this new flux of artists, the, the space is so crowded, how does a new artist get introduced into the space? What's the best route for them? Yeah, you have to have a, le a level of authenticity, I think, that really draws people in. You know what I'm saying? I just think today um, the ability to make a good hook um, the ability to carry the bars keeps you in, or you know, gets you in play. But I think the authenticity will keep you in play. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really good at speaking on what makes a hit. I just know what I like. You know what I'm saying? And if I don't believe you, I can't really give you that respect. You know what I'm saying? And I think that um, if that would just come back to the game in general, I think we can get rid of a lot of the bullshit. Because I mean, you know. We might say something is bullshit, but they selling out 3,000 seaters or, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I never thought like um, 6 9 for like would be successful, right? But then if you listen to the grungy way that he had almost had a rock rap kind of vibe, I mean, mm -hmm. you can go to plenty of people in history and see how and why that works. So, but I just think authenticity, man. You know, I think that um, the fads come and go. Um, and if you want to be around for a long time, the authentic authenticity piece is what Sure. Yeah, I feel like some of the new artists, they don't have longevity in their mind. I feel like they, they're thinking, like, how can we get hot now and make as much as we can right now, and who cares what happens in the future? Yeah, I think they think about how can I get high. <laughs> <laughs> that like, too. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm serious, and I just think that, you know, because I'm like, I asked my son, I have a 15 and 18 year old, and I'm just like, do they really, you think they really do the drugs like that, or you think they just rapping about the shit? Because I don't even know how you're functioning. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're talking about. You know, when, when, when Wayne and, and Ross was having seizures and shit, like, it was the lean. It was the fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so you, you're thinking, like, well, how high do you want to be? Like, and how, how long do you think you will last? Or what are you, you trying know? to escape from? Well, no, I mean, I get why people want to escape, but, you know what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't think that you will live long enough to really reap the fruits if you continue to, like, do that to your body. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's, like, physically impossible, but. Where, where we are now with music is content, as far as content, social media presence, is that more important than actual talent? Or what's your personal opinion on that? Because to me, I think it is. I think the I presentation mean, is better than You the got actual. a point. You got a point. I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm judging, you know what I'm saying? No, right? Because I want to see something that I, you know, will see 10, 20 years from now. I mean, that's just how I came into business. But I came into a business with artist development. I came into a business with actually handlers that gave a fuck, you know what I'm saying? And had the respect of the artists so that they can get what they needed out of them and you know kind of keep them from there killing themselves and, and going you know what i mean but i think that what i was saying earlier about this being a show me culture this show me generation you're right that shit works it's like if you bug out and do all the dumb shit they want to like your shit and you're doing it for the likes i mean we've seen they do anything for clubs. you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, but they do anything for likes yeah yeah. And that's the culture we live in, you know what I'm saying? But, like, again, if people paying their money and they singing your songs, there's some connection. So, I mean, it's really a, you know, a catch-22. What about, um, what is, any advice for aspiring managers or execs? Um, you, you have to, you know, pick your poison, right? Um, I think all artists are subject to lose their motherfucking mind. I think it's just part of the DNA of artistry um, and creatives uh, as a whole. I would just say pick your poison and, and, and be wholeheartedly passionate about the artist and what they have to offer because it just works better when you really, really, truly believe. If it's a check, you know what I'm saying, it, it runs its course. If it's 
because it's your cousin and you really don't fuck with him, but you're going to help out. I mean, you know, do do it for the passion or don't do it at all. And that goes for artists, too. What, what do you think about the, the, the role of, of execs going forward with so many artists, you know, that message of being independent, right? When they start taking control of their own careers, how do you see the role of, you know, people who do artist development? Do yeah. You, do you see their role in the future? Have a valuable opinion from the jump. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, anyone's going to get over on you if you let them. You know what I'm saying? But if you have a value, valuable opi opinion and you add value that way, you kind of put yourself in the middle of some things. You know what I'm saying? And when, when, when artists try to go run off and act crazy and be disloyal and try different things, because they all going to want to try different things. It's going to be things at the beginning that are just so about what y'all got going yeah. on and then when you get older this guy over here might have a better connect and might be able to get me the clothes and this that. Mm -hmm. you, you're gonna you know run into all that but you just gotta be firmly planted in the middle of what's going on to keep yourself in play and honestly like i said add value from the jump mm -hmm. like add something valuable that even the artist knows because as much as they want to lose their minds and act like stuff didn't happen that happened they'll remember it they will. It'll come a point in their life where they get, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Nah, that's dope. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.